So once you get to that point where you sort of empathize with them and you've isolated what their issue is, I think then prodding them to potentially understand the opposing view is very helpful. But you can't just say, well, listen, hey, think about what I'm saying. I'm more right than you are. That's obviously not going to go well. And it also is not very conducive because you actually do want to hear any potential information that might change your position. Hi, welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. As you know, season two, we're going to be doing Crash CEO School. And the point of this whole season is to go over skills and strategies that anybody can use to become a more effective leader in their organization. The goal, of course, would be for you to learn some of these things without having to go through the pain of making the mistakes and then learning them. So we're going to try to cover different things with each uh, podcast that will hopefully round out a great management strategy. Today, what I want to really talk about ties into our last video, which is your staff basically uh, decides more or less what they think of you or the boss rather than the company, meaning if they're unhappy with your management style, uh, that can often be more deleterious than the company itself not making them happy. So it's really important to have people understand that their opinion is valued, uh, that they're part of the organization. But the tricky part of it is how do you do that while still getting across your priorities and your thoughts about what direction things should go? I guess in a perfect world, I mean, it would be nice if every organization in terms of the leader uh, would be a, a dictatorship where you would just decide everything and you know you may get some feedback, but uh, you just decide everything and everybody just carries out what you want. Of course, it shouldn't be like that for multiple reasons. One, because sometimes you don't know everything and you need the feedback. And two, it's really not very conducive if it's just everything is coming from the top and going to the bottom. That's not a way to build culture and build a level of commitment and ownership from everyone in the organization. If one person owns everything, uh, you know, everything we've talked about this season, which is to build culture and have people rise above uh, their their normal uh, comfort level and, and give more, none of that's going to happen if if they're not really part of the decision-making. Of course, the flip side of it is you can't do everything by committee. You can't have 15 people in a department try to vote what direction the marketing department should go. So the best strategy I have found is to get what you want theoretically, but do it in a way that builds consensus. And occasionally, in by having to go through that process, you will get information that says maybe you were actually not looking at it correctly. So it actually has some benefits 
because if no one ever second guesses your decision and your decision is always the the way people go, you're going to make some bad decisions and and nobody will ever second guess you. Um, for example, uh, I was reading a book a few years ago about uh, certain uh, airlines in, around the world where it's this you know culturally it's disrespectful for the second in command to argue with the first in command and uh, meaning pilot and co-pilot and so the co-pilot would never ever uh, point out anything that was wrong and of course this led to potentially more things going wrong so on one sense you do want to have checks and balances on your decision making on your thinking because sometimes you because sometimes you don't have all the information when you're trying to make the decision but the flip side of it is when you have made the decision when you've taken everything in and you want to move in a certain direction uh you know, you don't want to have to get 15 people to sign off that, hey, we're going to be offering this new service or we're going to be canceling that product or whatever. So if done properly, if calibrated properly uh, on the things that you're very certain that's the direction you want to go after getting all the information, you should be able to do that easily. Uh, the flip side is if you're about to send the company off a cliff, uh, there should be a way for people to communicate that back to you. So this is the fine balance, and it's almost as much of an art as it is a science to, to do that. But what I want to do today is kind of tell you about the language that this requires. And really, it is all about language, how you serve things up um, and, uh, you know, you can walk into a meeting and say, hey, I've decided we're going to cancel uh, this service and I've decided uh, we're going to uh, add this product or add this service. And, you, and that's the end of it. But there's a way to really do that without having to say it like that. And occasionally you, you may have been wrong and you will get more information that allows you to, to pull back what you were originally thinking because you just didn't have all the information. So let's go over that. The language of, of inclusive, inclusivity and, and talking to your staff, uh, people in your organization, you know, has to first start out with empathy to what people are saying. So when I talk about empathy, um, it means that you have to, even if you've made up your mind, you have to at least understand the other side's perspective, and then you can deal with it properly. So what you will often hear me say when I'm hearing something that wasn't really the way I was thinking about it is, um, is to first acknowledge what they're saying. And so I'm going to go through a bunch of phrases that I use often, and I think probably my staff would tease me that um, these are just things that naturally come out of my mouth. But over the years, I've learned to just speak that way because I have found that for the reasons I mentioned earlier, it gets the best results. So let's start off with empathy. So when you're hearing your staff or someone in your organization say something, as opposed to just either shooting it down or questioning it right away, you know, first you just have to show that you get it. So, so I'm going to go through a bunch of sentences that start with the word so, but uh, some are slightly different than others. So the first one is, so 
I share your concern. So when someone's giving you their position, whether you agree or not, it is important for you to say often that you do share that concern. Now, you may then come around and, and add some, a different spin to it, but acknowledging that you, that you share that concern or a phrase like, so I hear what you're saying, so what I'm hearing you say, these are all variations of the same thing theme, which is what we're going to do is we are going to acknowledge what the other person is saying before we question it. Because often when people are questioned about their position before the position is acknowledged, it can make some people feel like, oh, so th- you know, this is already baked in the cake. I, you know, my idea is no good, and uh, boom, uh, I'm already getting you know criticized for it. So then there are other phrases that you can use to follow up uh, with that, S- such as you know, um, I hear what you're saying, but I do want to get your opinion more on blah blah blah. Or you can reverse it and say, I hear what you're saying, but uh, I was thinking blah blah blah. Or, again, going back to, so help me understand your position a little more because I was thinking blah, blah, blah. Or, so, you know, humor me on this. But if we did that, you know, what else could be wrong or right about that? So phrases like, uh, so I want to get your opinion. So I was thinking. So help me understand. So humor me. Obviously, you have to pull out the right phrase at the right time in the conversation. But these are all very disarming ways to extend the conversation, find out more about their position, and also allow you to have a segue into you expressing potentially a completely polar opposite position. But it doesn't come off as someone who already has made the decision. Uh, and like I said earlier, by doing some of this, by asking for their opinion so, or by saying, so help me understand, you sometimes can get information that y- you will need to make even a better decision than what you were thinking. Why hasn't getting a simple laboratory test been as easy as ordering something online? Well, now it is. With three simple steps on enationaltesting.com, you can have your laboratory test ordered, go in for testing the same day, and get your results quickly, right to your email. Enational testing is fast, convenient, and confidential. Begin taking charge of your health today with Enational Testing's complete healthcare panels and easy to understand results at over 2,000 locations nationwide. No matter who you are, where you are in the United States, or what your health concerns are, E-National Testing is your comprehensive resource for laboratory testing services. It's time to focus on yourself. Let us do the hard work for you. E-National Testing. Easy, convenient, and tailored to your health needs. Other strategies that I think is really important when you hear a position that's not similar to yours is to, first of all, isolate that position. And so um, I will often say, so if if it weren't for that particular issue, is there anything else that you know you find troublesome about you know that product or us moving in that direction? Because what you want to really understand is that the person has a very specific concern, and if it weren't for that concern, uh, they would otherwise be okay. 
Um, and it helps them sort of articulate specifically the area of concern that it's not just, no, I don't want to do it for the sake of it. They have a very specific thing, but if it weren't for that thing, then potentially they would have a different opinion. So once you get to that point where you sort of empathize with them and you've isolated what their issue is, I think then prodding them to potentially understand the opposing view is very helpful. But you can't just say, well, listen, hey, think about what I'm saying. I'm more right than you are. That's obviously not going to go well. And it also is not very conducive because you actually do want to hear any potential information that might change your position. So getting them to understand both sides, I often find is helpful. So phrases like, you know, how can we make this more of a win-win? By saying it, how can we make it more of a win-win? We're saying, okay, you have a position, but you know, how can we do something where both sides of this pot- potential argument, disagreement, or decision-making comes out ahead? Another strategy that I often use is to say, listen, if you had to argue the other side of what you're saying, you know, what would that look like? Help me understand that. And the last thing is, uh, before we dis- before we decide, can we go over all of the options and go over all their pros and cons? Again, this often is helpful for people to come around to your way of thinking, but occasionally it's very helpful for you to actually change your mind because they may tell you things that you didn't know Um uh, but it really does help flush out, you know, the issues. Uh, you know, nothing is worse than a, some some CEO or some leader making a decision, w- and people in the room felt like they hadn't, they were not given an opportunity to fully flush out their their concerns or their overall, you, you know, potential. Uh, downsides to decisions. So people always want to be heard. And if they're heard, even if the decision is goes against what, what they were initially thinking, I think they are much more likely to be happy with the decision, even if it wasn't the way they had planned it. The one thing I do want to ask you um, is whenever you are going to ask any of these questions, I always, I always ask permission to ask questions, which is funny because you think just asking the question would be enough. But asking permission to ask questions is a very gentle way of showing, one, you really are have a question and you genuinely are respectful of their position. So um, starting off questioning with, let me ask you a question, help me understand what's the downside for doing this. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have we ever thought blah, blah, blah? Let me ask you a question. Uh, are, are we letting perfect be the enemy of good? Uh, let me ask you a question. If you owned the company and it was 100% your decision, you know, what, which direction would you go? Let me ask you a question. If money was no object, what would the right decision look like in this situation? This whole idea of Asking permission to ask a question is very disarming and it's very polite, of course, 
but it does show that you genuinely want to find out more information from them. If done properly, I would say on the times where you are very, very, very certain that that's the decision you've made and that's the decision you want to go in, you can pretty much get to that point without ever having to demand or dictate that that's the direction it's going to go. So rarely do I walk into a meeting and say, I've decided this, or we are doing that, or we are, I I, I don't think it's ever a win. Even if you're 100% certain that that's what you want to do, you're better off taking five, 10 minutes and, and just going through the process of building a consensus to get to the decision that you had made anyway. And with the added benefit that occasionally you will get shocking information that you hadn't considered, which will make you second-guess that decision that you thought you had already made. And you get the added benefit of having people buy into the culture, want the organization to move forward because they have been heard. And occasionally they've changed their mind. Uh, and they've been able to express their concerns. So even if they go, even if the decision is made to go in the direction they were not leaning towards, at least everything was put on the table, all the pros and cons were considered, and for whatever reason, other priorities tilted the decision to the other way. I think most people can live with that. I think most people can say, look, uh, often there's multiple priorities, uh, so it's not, it may be right or wrong based on a marketing position, but it may be, you know, right or wrong in terms of some big client that we have that actually supersedes that. So uh, as CEO, you're, you're often uh, juggling multiple priorities. And so some of these decisions, while it may be right to address one priority in your company may not be right to address a much bigger priority in your company. And sometimes if someone is in one specific department, they may not have that global view of things. And, and whether it's you or some of the people in on the um, higher administrative side may understand a more global view of something uh, because they're, they have access to information that people within a department may not. So you can influence the decision in the right way that addresses the most important priority that you're, that impacts that decision. So I hope that helps you. I hope that helps you understand that you know being a leader does not mean barking orders or barking commands or di- you know, dictating uh, how meetings are run and what's said and what have you. You but you can still get what you want uh, without hitting people over the head with it. Okay, I hope that helps. If you have some examples, please leave in the comments below of how you deal with those um, kind of situations. Uh, Don't forget to please comment, like, and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. And we will see you on the next episode of Bakhtari MD. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.